0: Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go.
1: Hello everyone, my name is Jong and welcome to True the Noise podcast. After the frenzy is March, we saw some tranquility in April. Global equity markets have remained remarkably resilient. The VIX index... A proxy of the stock market volatility fell to a one-year low in April. Risk appetite appears to be rising based on the Greed and Fear Index. However, traditional recession indicators continue to point to a, re- to a relatively high probability of a US recession over the next 6 to 12 months. It begs the question, how do we reconcile the contrasting macro and market signals? To discuss this and more, I have with me today, a regular on the podcast, Manpreet Gill, our Chief Investment Officer for Africa, Middle East and Europe. Hi Manpreet, let's tackle the obvious question first. Financial markets, especially equities, have been remarkably resilient despite the relatively weak economic data in the US. How do we
0: explain this? Hi, Jong. Um, You're right. Absolutely. There does seem to be uh, quite a bit of divergence between the bearish signal we're getting from long-term fundamental indicators um, and the relative resilience in risky assets, as you just described. Now, in the US, uh, we do believe much of the fundamental signals remain weak. So if we look at our recession checklist, for example, uh, most indicators there do continue to warn of a high chance of an economic recession over the next 12 months. And we're getting a similar message from many of our other indicators, our quantitative recession model or indeed our growth inflation framework. That's why we still expect the Fed to pause after its next rate hike and indeed start cutting rates before we get to the very end of the year. Now, to your point on on resilience, though, investor positioning, uh, in our view, is the likely factor behind some of that resilience uh, that you're seeing in equity markets. Now, if I step back and run through a checklist of short-term equity market indicators, the one that really does stand out is investor positioning. A wide range of indicators, such as S&P 500 positioning data or fund manager surveys, do seem to indicate that investors are already quite bearishly positioned. Now, usually, this needs to normalize before markets can go ahead and and fall further, a process which by itself can trigger a bit of a modest equity rebound, uh, which is what we'd call a melt-up in equity markets. So that, we think, is what explains what's going on today uh, and what it likely means in the very short term uh, for stock markets.
1: Does that mean equity markets could melt higher, as you say? How should investors be positioned around this?
0: Well, in our view, uh, they, they can melt higher, uh, you know, and, and modestly so, uh, b- before sort of fundamentals take over. But having said that, I think from an investor positioning point of view, uh, we're quite reluctant to position against the bearish signal we're getting from fundamental indicators. I mean, in our view, it's a good time to recall that being contrarian, of course, is interesting, but being contrarian alone is often not sufficient as a strategy for success uh, in investment. So, Hence, our preferred strategy in this kind of environment, uh, at least for long term investors with the 6 to 12 month horizon, is to fade any melt up rally um, and instead use the opportunity to actually continue rotating into our preferred assets. Now, at a very broad level, um, that means we continue to prefer bonds over equities. So if we get any melt up rally in equity markets, we'd we'd really look to fade that and continue to rotate into bonds. Within equity markets, um, we, we'd use any further rebound in US or European equities, either to rotate into more defensive sectors or indeed rotate to Asia Japan equities. Now, on this last point, I think it's interesting that in, in China in particular, the macroeconomic data continues to show that the economic re- reopening is, is extending. A- and that's a trend that's visible not only in traditional activity measures, but also in the extent to which economic data is surprising on the upside relative to expectations.
1: What about bonds? Are they at risk from similarly bearish positioning?
0: Well, on bonds, we'd argue that they're less sort of uh, at risk from, from positioning. Now, while it's true that fund manager surveys may show that uh, uh, that there's still quite a bit of popularity in terms of preference for bond over equities. But if we look at short-term positioning data, um, you know, it actually shows that bearish positioning in U.S. government bonds itself is actually quite an extreme net short level. So that actually suggests there's room for prices to rebound higher, or in other words, for bond yields to rebound lower. Now, this factor, of course, supports our view, um, as we discussed earlier, uh, to to use any equity rebounds at a very broad level to rotate into bonds and more broadly into multi-asset income strategies. Within bonds, though, this also supports our preference for developed market investment-grade government bonds, which should benefit from the relatively high preference, uh, high price sensitivity, rather, to changes in bond yields. Our second preference uh, within bonds, of course, remains Asia dollar bonds. Now here, our rationale, some of it does carry over from what we discussed for for Asian Asian and Chinese equities, where the ongoing economic recovery in China should offer support. One key difference, though, for bonds is that we'd retain a relative preference for investment-grade bonds in Asia, because not only should they benefit more so from a fall in bond yields, but they also appear to be facing fewer ratings downgrades uh, than riskier high-yield Asian bonds.
1: Okay, so we have covered equity markets, the bond markets, and we have to talk about the Avex the markets. And, and I think the, the, the most important question is, do you still see room for the dollar to continue falling from here?
0: Uh, yes, we do. Uh, we do expect a weaker dollar on both a three and 12 month horizon. And, and on that point, I'd really sort of look to make two two key points. The first is that you know, we expect relative interest rates to continue to support this move lower in the dollar. And this picture is best illustrated by what we expect of central bank policy. So in the US, we expect the Fed to hike once more by a quarter point, uh, uh, quarter percentage point before pausing and then indeed cutting rates before we get to the end of the year. In Europe, though, we actually expect the European Central Bank to raise rates by half a percent And then pause for the rest of 2023, given economic growth, uh, you know, does offer a slightly stronger backdrop there. So that process, you know, uh, not only in central bank policy, but also in terms of bond yields, in our view, is likely to continue eroding the US dollar's yield advantage. The second point is more about the dollar's role as a safe haven, because, you know, one pushback we've often received is that, you know, the US dollar uh, should strengthen in an economic recession. But in our view, that point is only partly true. Now, the U.S. dollar has historically strengthened when we've been faced with a global economic uh, or market crisis. But we have seen the U.S. dollar weaken before when the U.S. economy underperforms the rest of the world, whether that's in in an economic recession or outside of that. Hence, we don't really see, you know, this sort of factor, the dollar's sort of uh, safe haven characteristic as a constraint on our weak uh, weak dollar view, unless, you know, we really uh, end up having to face a significant global crisis. Now, we see the euro, of course, being as one key beneficiary of a weaker dollar given the interest rate divergence we just discussed, Uh, but we'd also keep a close watch on the Japanese yen, because while the Bank of Japan has kept policy unchanged for now, gradual progress towards tightening policy and indeed safe haven demand are two factors we believe are are likely to support the Japanese yen, especially when looking out over over a 12-month horizon.
1: Thanks, Manpreet, for the insightful sharing. All in all, I think what I took away from today's conversation were, firstly, excessively bearish positioning could cause a melt-up in equities, but fundamentals argue investors should fade any melt-up. Secondly, bonds face fewer positioning challenges, reinforcing our preference for bonds over equities. Lastly, dollar weakness should extend. With the euro and potentially the yen, as key long-term beneficiaries. If you need more details on what we have discussed, please refer to our latest Global Markets Outlook report, which we just published today. Thank you so much for listening in. Enjoy the weekend ahead. Cheers.
0: Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank.